sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm sure some people wonder about me at times. Is Andre obsessed with miracles? Why focus on it so much? There's a whole Bible to focus on. Why focus on miracles? Did you know that 40% of the book of Mark is filled with miracle account after miracle account? The Bible is a book of miracles from creation all the way to the book of Revelation. And some might also say the whole topic of miracles makes people uncomfortable. So why go there? Isn't it only the Christian fringe and mostly unbalanced Christians who focus on miracles? Or some might say, you don't actually believe in miracles, do you? My response is, what if those Christians who no longer focus on a gospel confirmed by signs and wonders are actually the Christian fringe? I will show you that expecting the miracle working God to show up is biblical. And that is what the early disciples trusted God for. Either God showed up or it was the end of their ministry. Have you experienced powerless, boring Christianity? A church service, for instance, where the people sing, the preacher preach, the people chat, and we all go home. But nothing happened. No one was changed. God didn't show up. Is that God's original plan for His church? That is doing church in a way that we don't actually need God. It's like saying, God, we've got this. It's all good. We've got skilled musicians who will do the well-prepared worship set. The preacher will share a relevant and encouraging message from the Bible without making anyone too uncomfortable. And we'll end off with brilliant coffee. What more do we need? For many, it's like we don't actually want God to show up because that would simply mess up our well-organized plans. That's sad. But unfortunately, that's what church has become to many. We don't need God to have church and we like having things nicely under control with no surprises. Now, if you read your Bible, you will discover that there must be more than doing church like that. Something inside our hearts calls out for more. Surely this can't be it. Doing church like that is nice, but there must be more. When you've tasted more, you can't go back. You can't go back to normal, powerless, empty Christianity of just going through the motions. If you've been in His presence, you want more of Him. This is part of my spiritual DNA now. I've seen God show up at times, breaking out, doing miracles, radically saving lost souls, and radically transforming lives. I can't go back. I want God to show up like He did in biblical times. When Jesus shows up, miracles break out. When God shows up, the kingdom of God comes because the King has come. If God is our first love and the passion of our lives. How could we ever settle for anything less than God in the house? For God to be in our midst. It's not about miracles per se. It's rather about the God of miracles. He is powerful. He is God. And we love him and long for him. I long for him in our midst. What if we could see God show up every time we gather, whether at church or in our homes or in a coffee shop, Jesus said in Matthew 18, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. 
God in our midst is available to us when that becomes our expectation. This is more than a nice theological concept. It should be our tangible reality. God in our midst. When God shows up, that is when miracles break out. The miracle is evidence that he is present. God himself is who we long for. And when he is present, then whatever is wrong with this world or the lives of people tend to get fixed. He is the healer of broken hearts, the deliverer of depressed minds, and the one who even raises the dead. My life has radically been transformed since I moved into a higher expectation of God showing up. You can never be the same again. When you previously only spoke about God, but now you can give people an encounter with him. What a privilege. You pray for someone and suddenly they have a God encounter where they are saved or healed or set free from darkness on their souls. It's incredible. Such an honor. You cannot go back after you've discovered the reality of God in this way. When you've tasted life in God like that, you tend to continually aim higher. To live in a higher dimension of God's presence and goodness. Today, I want to stir you to expect God to show up and to never settle for anything less than all God has made available to us in Christ. I will share three keys with you for how you can experience next level miracles in your life. I also do a short interview with Hank Kleinschmidt where he shares with us first-hand accounts of God even raising the dead. Nothing is impossible with God. When we step out, that is when God shows up. When we have an expectation that God will fulfill his promises to us, we begin to live differently. We begin to step out. We begin to ask for bigger things. We pray for others expecting something to change right now because God is with us. There is a convergence between our stepping out and all he made available at the cross for us. Stepping out is a sign of faith, which God loves to respond to. When you step out, the victory of the cross becomes available to us. It's called faith. So why miracles? There are many reasons for emphasizing miracles. However, I will only mention two reasons now. Number one. Miracles are biblical. It is God's way revealed in the scriptures for doing ministry. The early disciples preached Christ and God confirmed the message with signs and wonders. The gospel message and signs and wonders come together in one biblical package. Preach the kingdom of God and the king will show up. Secondly, the apostles cry was for God to show up and do miracles. The apostles were experiencing persecution for preaching Christ and in one case healing a lame man who was lame from birth in Acts chapter 3. The religious leaders threatened them, commanding them to never speak in the name of Jesus again. And so what was their response? Did they pray the persecution away? Did they just buckle under the pressure and remain quiet? Did they change their message to not make it uncomfortable for the Jews? No. They prayed, Lord, give us more boldness to speak about Jesus and show up doing greater miracles. Lord, give us boldness to share Jesus and confirm your word. Look at this prayer and hear the apostolic heart revealed here to break open new ground for the gospel and to trust that God 
would show up. Acts chapter 4, 29. They prayed, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Seems like God liked that prayer. They prayed, Lord, give us boldness to share Jesus with others. And Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal and to do signs and wonders. They prayed and they said, God, back us up. Show up when we share the message of Christ and confirm your word with miracles. The building was literally shaken as the presence and the power of God flooded in. They were filled with the Spirit and spoke with even greater boldness. Now that's a prayer God likes to answer. Mind-blowing miracles also followed in the following chapters. They upped their game in the midst of persecution and opposition. They didn't back down. God stood with them because they were standing with God, doing His will. Ask. They asked for boldness and miracles. We should do the same. Boldness to speak, boldness to act, and to ask God to move in signs and wonders. It's a biblical prayer to pray. Ask for more. If we want to ask God for radical things, then we need to back it up with radical obedience. Both parts are needed. Miracles break out when God shows up. Let's ask God to show up again. Where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. So let's talk about significant miracles like raising the dead. Significant miracles gets people's attention to cause them to turn to Christ. Jesus ruined every funeral he attended, including his own. His approach to death is noteworthy. Why did Jesus raise the dead? Because not everyone dies in God's timing. Therefore, it is important we take on his approach to this very serious subject and not so quickly assume that every death was in God's plan and purpose. The Bible says it is appointed for us to die. When we are to die is the only question at hand, and we have a role in how that plays out. One significant miracle, like raising the dead, can rock a city and cause many to turn to Jesus. God desires all to be saved, and therefore he has made unlimited resources available. A greater measure of miracles tends to manifest where the gospel is preached to unbelievers. Those who partner with God in seeing the lost saved see a vastly greater number of miracles and more significant miracles break out. God has the key to every human heart. Few things shift someone from unbelief into belief as quickly as when they either have an encounter with God's presence or experience a genuine miracle like someone healed or raised from the dead. Miracles are a significant tool in the hands of God to reach the lost. When we develop a greater passion to see the lost saved is also when we better align our hearts with God's heart. God tends to show up more when our hearts align with his. We must trust God for significant miracles for the sake of the gospel, 
like the apostles did. We see this in Acts chapter 9, where God uses Peter to raise a dead woman back to life, and it led to many believing in Jesus. A devout believer called Dorcas or Tabitha died, and the believers called Peter to come and pray for her. He traveled all the way to another town called Joppa. She had been dead for quite some time. She was at least dead for 12 or more hours, if not a whole day, by the time Peter prayed for her. Please note that permanent brain damage results at the point when the human brain doesn't receive oxygen for at least six minutes or more. After only six minutes of death, there should be irreparable damage to the brain, even if the person is resuscitated. Acts 9, verse 40, but Peter put them all out, the other people knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. The news of a genuine, significant miracle tends to spread. It became known throughout Joppa. A whole town heard of this miracle and many believed. That's why we need to trust God for significant, undeniable miracles with multiple eyewitnesses and with medical evidence where possible. That kind of miracle gets people's attention. It cuts through the philosophical anti-God arguments to the heart, revealing the Lord Jesus is God. The Christian God is the creator God. If he can do such great miracles like the raising of the dead, then he is worthy of worship. Does Jesus still raise the dead today? I interviewed Hank Klenschmidt concerning this question, and he shares multiple modern raisings of the dead accounts. Hank, it's great to have you with us today. Does Jesus still do that? Does he still raise the dead? <laughs> Hi, Andrea. Thank you for, for having me and, and thank you for, uh, you know, discussing this. This is a great topic. Yeah, the answer is absolutely he does. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. Uh, and all throughout scripture, we, we see that he's, he's done it. You know, he did it in the Old Testament. The dead were raised in the Old Testament. Elijah, Elisha. Uh, there's different, um, you know, testimonies about that. He did it in his own ministry, his, his, his time on earth. Uh, the apostles did it, and it's absolutely still happening today. It's happening all around the world. And in fact, I think it's happening more than it's ever happened before. There's more testimonies of dead raisings now than, than you'll see in the book of Acts, you know, that's happening on a regular basis. So God is still moving in that way. He's, he's never changed. And he has authority over death, and he's the God of life. So absolutely, he's still raising the dead today. Okay, so share a bit with us for your experience. Uh, it's actually a command, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. He says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What happened is my paths uh, crossed with a man called David Hogan, uh, who's a, a missionary, American missionary who's in Mexico and he's been there for 40 years. And I started hearing about stories about people being raised from the dead. And, and at first I really struggled to, to believe it, which is strange because I saw it in scripture. But it, it's so hard when you're confronted with that reality uh, in your own life because it, 
it does confront and it does challenge your belief system completely. It, it challenges logic because it's not supposed to be possible. You know, being dead is, is final uh, to most of us in our thinking. Um, but God looks at it differently, you know. And um, as, I, as I heard about David's ministry and suddenly I heard that they've raised more than 500 people from the dead in their ministry, you know, and you, your first thoughts is this man must be a liar basically or, you know, there's something wrong here. And, and it really challenged me. And then finally I got to meet him. And, you know, you hear testimony after testimony of the dead being raised, you know, of babies that's dead in the mother's womb and then the baby gets resurrected back to life or uh, members of their team that was, you know, dead from certain diseases or killed by, by um, uh, you know, by the, the rebel groups in Mexico and God would raise them from the dead. And there's testimony after testimony of the dead being raised. Uh, we have another guy in South Africa called Surprise Sitole. He's also raised an, a lot of people from the dead. Nobody really knows the number, but it's, it's, it's quite a number of people. And um, I actually met a man that was raised from the dead besides David Hogan. Um, his name is Franz. He's a Mozambican that lives in South Africa. Now he's got a church in Mpumalanga. And he was raised from the dead by Surprise Sitole. And I actually met Franz in person. I got to speak to this guy and hear his story, you know, and and all of these stories started coming into my life and it just challenged me about the fact that God is still doing this today. This is a, you know, Franz was declared dead. He was in hospital. He was gone. He wasn't breathing anymore. It's not like he was maybe dead. He was dead, you know. <laughs> he was beaten up in Cape Town actually by, by a gang when he wanted to lock the church at a conference and surprise and the whole church prayed for him. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And then at some point um, when they forgave the killers, the murderers, that's when Franz was awakened from the dead and uh, all the wounds disappeared. There's no more wounds on him and, and he got up, he breathed and, and he went to church the next day. You know, they actually, they actually went to the police station where these guys were in prison and Franz went there and said, listen, um, you know, they killed me, but I'm not dead anymore. So I don't know if they're, you know, kind of guilty. It's got an interesting situation. Oh, wow. uh, one of the guys actually got born again. The one, the one killer actually got born again and he's a pastor now, you know. So when you hear stories like that and you hear it firsthand, it challenges you and, and it challenges your belief system. Uh, it challenges what you think about God and what's possible and not. And it also challenges where you, what you believe has the greatest authority. Uh, death or, or the God of the living, you know, and all of those things gets challenged inside of you and, and you need to start making a decision which way are we going to go, you know, is this available today? If it's available for those guys, why not for me, you know? So all of that started adding to a story of me wanting to see that, that you know, God, you did it for them, so surely you can do it for me and, and I want to see you do that because that really gets the attention of people and it, it really uh, it glorifies the Lord in a wonderful way and that's what we want to see. It brings people to their knees and go, man, if, if there's a God that can raise the dead, then surely He can, you know, heal my marriage. Surely He can heal my broken relationship with my children. Surely He can heal cancer or whatever it is. If you can do that, then surely nothing is impossible. So you have a, a story of your own. You're obviously you're saying you're pursuing that God would raise the dead. So share with us the story of what happened. So like I said, we, we pursued it for many years, prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord for that. And 
and you know the only way you're going to raise the dead is if you actually go and pray for the dead so that's that's part of it as well so you know i can share the story but i can also share a lot of stories that were very disappointing in that that sense as well in um, september 2017 i was ministering in zimbabwe and we, we also have a church in uh, the masvingu area with pastor gyro shilele so he's been working with me for for a number of years and we were doing an open air crusade meeting it was just outside of masvingu in a very rural area so we were doing these meetings at night and uh, god moved and we saw amazing things happen, people getting born again and people getting healed. So we did the final evening of the crusade and we got home at about 11 o'clock at night and myself and Vesel and a couple of the pastors were just sitting in, in a like a small kind of a rondavel room, drinking tea and talking and just enjoying our last, um, you know, cup of tea together before we, we left the next day. Uh, but they get a phone call and I see there's a bit of a commotion and the next minute there's a human being, you know, carried into the into the rondavel and they say, no, they want prayer for this, this young lady. She's probably 23, 24 years old. She's out cold, cold skin, uh, you know, eyes turned over. And, you know, I'm seeing her in the room now. Uh, so we immediately go, I, I'm not, I'm lost in translation, so I'm not sure exactly what's happening at this point in time. We actually only got the full story a, a bit later. But I looked at her and I realized, man, we're, we're in trouble here. Whatever's happening to her, this is a seriously bad situation. I looked at the situation and I thought, well, I'm assuming this is either dead or a coma, but nobody said anything. So I'm going, okay, this must be a coma or, or I, I'm not sure. But I mean, there's no movement, no breath, nothing. It, this looks really bad. We started praying for her and we just went after it. Like I said, we didn't exactly know what the situation was. It didn't really matter. The point is she was in trouble. So we kept praying, you know, trying to see if anything happens. Uh, so all of us, we just, in the name of Jesus, just declared life and we released life over her. And then about 15 minutes in, nothing happened. And I was kind of thinking to myself, if this was my wife, I would be pretty nervous right now. And, you know, what would I have wanted somebody to do? And I just realized, well, we need to, you know, press on a little bit more. And everybody just kept going for it. And we just kept praying. Maybe two or three minutes later, because we would, you know, every now and again, we would lift the hand just to see if there's any. But it was just stiff, cold, you know, there was just nothing. About two or three minutes after that first break, the next minute, this lady just sat up and she breathed, eyes rolled back and she's alive. I mean, everyone in the room is just kind of in awe. I'm excited because I'm thinking, well, it doesn't really matter what was wrong with her. This is fantastic in any way. So I'm just super yeah, excited absolutely. about what's happening. <laughs> and she left the next morning, two o'clock, I leave back to South Africa. So, so we're kind of like, man, this was amazing, but I'm not exactly sure what happens. A while later, Pastor Jairus came to visit me and we, 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 you know, we just went over the story again. We actually shared it with somebody and he, yeah, he interrupted me as I'm telling the story because I'm not sure if it's a coma or what. And he goes, he says, like, listen, you missed the story. I'm like, well, obviously I think I did. He says, what happened is uh, she was declared dead um, at hospital and they actually wanted her, the, the parents to leave her at the hospital and to go to the police station to report it and to get the death certificate, get the whole thing rolling so that because she's declared dead, she just dropped dead in front of the shop um, in the village that we were in. That the parents heard about these pastors that were preaching, it was like a crusade meeting going on. And they said, uh, and what the mom and dad said to each other is, is there anybody that, that, that will pray for the dead and, and that can raise them from the dead? And they said, well, we heard about these Christian pastors, so let's go and see if they can do it. So the parents actually didn't listen to the hospital. They took the, the body and they brought it to us before they went to the police station. But she was declared dead by the hospital. And then she was completely raised from the dead. And that's actually what happened that wow. night. That story so blessed my heart. And it was that's just amazing. such an amazing thing. I actually heard uh, the other day she's still alive. She's still doing well. 
Uh, she hasn't had any uh, attacks or issues again, and, sh and she's, you know, she's she's living her life uh, as a healthy 24-year-old, uh, well, 27-year-old lady now. So that was just a, a phenomenal thing to see, and um, it's life-changing to to be in a room where that happens. You know, it so. is. Jesus still raises the dead. He does. He, he does. is the resurrection and the life. Absolutely. And when we connect to Him, who is life, yeah. then that life flows through us. Yeah. Which is just beautiful. The, the you know the look on her face, the look on everybody's face in the room was just amazing. And uh, like you say, just it just does something in your own heart to see that this gospel that we believe that it's real and and that He truly has authority over death. You know, and, and that just opens up your whole world of possibilities of what God can do. And, and if He can do that for her, He can do it for somebody else. If He can do it in any situation, you know. So that just, it, it, for me, it just changes the whole way that we view life and our perspective on things, you know. Yeah, it does. For with God, Absolutely. nothing is impossible. Yeah, awesome. And I'm trusting that the story will stir each one of us, our faith, to trust God. For small things, for big things, he is able. Yeah. So thanks, Hank. Thanks for sharing with us. Thank you, Andre. Appreciate it. <laughs> so is there anything too hard for God? He has the key to every human heart. No one is out of reach for the Almighty. Let's up our expectation for God showing up and partner with the Holy Spirit in seeing the lost turn to Christ. Jesus is the desire of the nations. They simply don't realize it yet. The human heart is made for knowing God. Haggai 2 verse 7 in the New King James says, And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. What better way to shake the nations than doing mighty signs and wonders? The greatest miracle, greater than raising the dead, is still one soul turning to Jesus. One hard heart turning soft surrendered to Christ. It never gets old to hear how someone met with Jesus. We need physical miracles to see the greatest miracle come to pass in more lives. What if whole towns or cities or nations could turn to Jesus again like it has happened in past revivals? Miracles are a critical component of the gospel. How do we walk in miracles? How do we position ourselves to step into significant miracles? Here are three keys to walking in miracles. Key to miracles, number one, the gift of faith. We need to get onto the faith train. Jesus is giving us a ticket, an invitation to get onto the faith train, to step into his faith or what's called the gift of faith. All the promises of God are connected, attached to faith. But when we step into the gift of faith, which God makes available to us, then next level miracles break out. I've experienced this at times in meetings and at certain moments while praying for people. The gift of faith would be released into my life and suddenly the impossible becomes completely plausible and expected right there and then. You know, the one evening in Brazil, in Manaus, we were ministering at a large church. The previous night, the Saturday evening there, very little happened while we prayed for people. We did the same thing, but very little happened. It was just me praying. It was ordinary. Very little happened. Few people were healed or set free. Then 
the next evening, the Sunday night, we had three back-to-back church services and the gift of faith functioned through me. I personally prayed for more than 40 people that evening that were physically healed on the spot. God showed up and many glorious miracles broke out. I had two lines of people in front of me. I placed one hand on the one and one hand on the other, releasing the presence of God over them. It was like rivers of life, of God's life, were flowing through me into them. I would ask, what's wrong? In the one case, a lady had a large cyst on her chest, and she checked and confirmed that it was there. And then 30 seconds later, after praying in Jesus' name, this cyst was gone, and her tears flowed. It was incredible to see God move so powerfully, so quickly, and undeniably. Prayed for others where they had pain for years but they were instantly healed. The pain disappeared or a deaf ear from birth would be restored and they could hear normally. The one lady you know, was came to church in a wheelchair and then she was healed and she got up out of the wheelchair and she push, pushed the wheelchair home that evening. It was next level evening. We were on the train of faith. All things became possible. You see, God takes you where you cannot go yourself. It is the power of God and God's faith functioning through you with signs and wonders following. All glory to Him. It's not us, it's Him. This is the kind of faith that expects God to show up. You're shocked if someone isn't healed or isn't set free. So never settle for anything less. Don't settle for small faith. Miracles flows from a greater measure of faith. This kind of faith of expecting God to show up moves us to act, to step out. Let God take you into another dimension of faith. Don't be intimidated or ashamed into settling for less than all God has made available to you. The faith train is to go where you never dreamed possible with God. It's an invitation to up our game, to ask like the disciples did, Lord, increase our faith. They could see how Jesus lived and did ministry and their response was, Lord, we need more faith, faith like yours. The gift of faith is when it's not our faith, but rather God's faith imparted to us. It's a supernatural faith that suddenly makes all things possible with God. That is the faith Jesus had, and that is the faith He's calling us into. Even as the raising of the dead is seen as the next level miracle, God invites us to up our expectation of Him, to up our faith levels, get onto the faith train, step into the gift of faith, ask Him for it, pursue it. Standing next to the train, we walk in our own ability. We only have our own strength to go by and our own faith. But when we get onto the train of God, the train of faith, He carries us where we never thought possible. It's God through us, not us doing it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He carries us, takes us into places previously inconceivable. The faithful paradigm is completely different to an unbelieving mindset. With an unbelieving mindset, it seems inconceivable that God would do a great miracle through us, through me or you. But when you get onto the train of faith, that's when things begin to happen. It's a train because it's a whole community of believers who must get on together, or a whole team, as when we travel to churches united by faith, love, and the Spirit of God. This isn't a one-man show. It's the community of faith that partners with God to see great things happen. An example of this kind of faith, the gift of faith, 
is Jesus' boldness or confidence when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He prayed just before he called Lazarus out of the tomb after Lazarus has been dead for four days. He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Jesus knew who he was and the access he had in God. We need to know who we are in Christ and what we have access to in Christ. Ask for more and then command in Jesus' name. Like Jesus declared or he spoke, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead is raised. So key number one is faith, the gift of faith. Key to miracles number two. Miracles flow from intimacy with God. Healing flows from intimacy. When you are in fellowship with the miracle working God, then he will show up. Rivers of living waters will flow forth from our inner being. When you are in fellowship with life itself, then life flows forth from us. When you are in fellowship with resurrection life, then resurrection life will flow through you. John 7:38 speaks of he who believes in Jesus that rivers of living waters will flow forth from their inner being. Let the life of God flow through you. In Philippians 3 verse 10, it's revealed the cry of the apostle Paul. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Know him. Paul's heart cry was to know God and the resurrection power of God. When you merely seek his power or healing, then you are asking for or desiring something from God. When you seek intimacy, then it is a two-way relationship of surrendering to God and receiving from him. That is when the presence and the power of God moves next level in our lives. It is more than just asking for something. It is surrender. It is infilling. It is love. Set your sights on God himself, on knowing him and worshiping him. Step into fellowship with life itself. Look beyond the breakthrough you need and desire him. He is the desire of the nations. The more we love him, the more people will also fall in love with him. John eleven twenty five, Jesus speaking says, and Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus asking us, do you believe this? Know the power of his resurrection. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It's like a spiritual nuclear power station residing within every believer, but only through knowing him, being connected to him. Healing flows from intimacy. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you are in fellowship with resurrection life, you will experience resurrection life. We don't come to God for what he can give us. We come to him for who he is and we gain everything that he is. He's powerful. He is healing. He is life. When you become one with him, then his life flows through you. Often when I pray for people, I simply focus on him. I focus on enjoying his presence, on loving him, on worshiping him, on being thankful for everything he has done. I'm not necessarily trying to make a miracle happen. And then his life flows through me and the kingdom of God comes in people's lives. Rivers of living waters flowing through us into broken lives. Healing flows from intimacy. So how close can we get to God? How intimate could we be with him, knowing him and loving him? That is the mission, to know him. Experientially intimate, not just know about him, 
but to know him. That we may know him and the power of his resurrection. So key number two is intimacy. The key to miracles number three, ending off with this, is to step out and God will show up. We see this principle revealed when Jesus' mother asked him to make wine for the wedding feast when they ran out of wine. It was a shameful situation for the family. And Jesus' mom, Mary, asked him to please sort it out. So in John 2 verse 5 says, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's partnership with the miracle-working God. Jesus told them to fill the wine pots with water, and it was turned into wine. It seemed crazy, but it was a step of obedience. Here's the principle for miracles to break out. Partner with the Holy Spirit, and whatever he says to you, do it. Even if it seems a little out of the ordinary, step out, go where he leads. When you step out, that is when God shows up. We can't ignore this critical step. Act, obey, step out, pray for someone, speak the words, ask God to lead you, be hungry for stepping out, look for opportunities and grab hold of those opportunities. When you step out, that is when God shows up. This is living out the fullness of Christ. Remember, if you ask radical things from God, you need to back it up with radical obedience. That is the key to miracles. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. So key to miracles, number one, ask for the gift of faith. Contend for faith. Get onto the faith train. Ask for more faith. Key number two, miracles flow from intimacy. Pursue Him and all that He is comes with knowing Him. And key number three, step out, step out, pray for someone, do as He says, look for those opportunities and you will see miracles begin to break out. But more important, God will show up in your midst. Don't settle for anything less than all God has made available to you. Expect God to show up. Partner with Him. God is right now calling us into higher dimensions of faith and signs and wonders. He wants to reach the whole world. Let's pursue all that He has made available. So let's pray. Father, I thank You that You are calling us higher and into greater miracles. We ask for next level faith. We ask for more boldness and that You would confirm Your Word with signs significant signs and wonders. Lord, may the dead be raised, the blind see, the lame walk, and many, many people turn to Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Showfire East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.